Today we're going to talk about God and how there's three of them. Sort of. Kind of. I don't know. Let's get into it. You need deliverance! Warning. Thinking too much is dangerous. Symptoms include... Existential crisis. What you talking over here? Learning new things. What you talking? Knowing when you're wrong. You want the sorriest church mirrors I have. And becoming a kinder, calmer, more Christ-like person. Concerning life and church. I really don't like the sound of my recorded voice talking. Normally I record myself a lot of times singing, um, but talking is still uh, no bueno, but I'm doing it for you. It's because I love you. So welcome to the Concerning Life and Church podcast. Uh, My name is James Dursey, uh, and I hope that what you get out of this is that you can learn something that maybe you've never heard of or maybe even thought of before, uh, whether that be in the context of your relationship with God, with others, or even uh, the world that we find ourselves surrounded by. And with that, let's just get started. Uh, So the topic today, the first topic was submitted by someone that did not give their name, uh, probably just because they forgot. I don't know, it's not a very personal question or anything touchy or anything like that. Um, But if you have a topic that you would love to send me, it can be a topic, it can be a question, um, it can even just be your own thoughts on something that I may or may not bring up in a future podcast uh, I would encourage you to email me at concerninglifeandchurch at gmail.com. Again, that's concerninglifeandchurch at gmail.com, all spelled out with normal letters, nice and long, nothing fancy. Uh, so with that, uh, this is going to be a theological question. And for those of you who maybe don't know uh, theology, theology is the study of God or religious belief. Uh, starting with the assumption that God is actually real. Uh, A study of those things that don't start from that presumption is called philosophy of religion. So they're two different things, but they are similar. But, so this question, uh, well, maybe it's more of like a request. Uh, It just says, defend the Orthodox Christian view of the Trinity and avoid using the Bible as circular logic, or circular reasoning, I guess. Um, and I will say that I think that we, um, we as in pastors, don't always do the best job of explaining some of the things that we talk about. Uh, I think it's easy if we say something again and again and again. To, it, it, it just becomes a part of our normal vocabulary, part of our normal, uh, it kind of becomes jargon. Uh, and we don't always dive in and explain it. And I think it's very easy to let something that, is a significant part of our belief system, our theology, just to become jargon to us. And even we forget what we're actually talking about. I've heard this called Christianese before, that someone from the outside would just have no idea what the heck is going on or what they're talking about. Um, so as far as the Trinity, for those of you that don't know, uh, the term Trinity is comes from tri, meaning three. Uh, it refers to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you've been around church for a while, um, although I guess it depends on the kind of church that you've gone to, uh, you've probably heard those three terms kind of thrown around when talking about God, uh, especially if you go to a Catholic church or maybe even a, uh, a Pentecostal-believing church. Uh, Catholic liturgy and disciplines tend to have a heavy emphasis on the Trinity, while Pentecostal theology um, and certainly practice tends to have a heavy emphasis on the Holy Spirit and interacting with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I think, first of all, if I'm going to 
you know, defend the Orthodox view of the Trinity, I need to start by saying that there's a lot of different views and practices uh, as far as the Trinity is involved, you know, like Catholics and Pentecostals, two very, very uh, different things. And I think just because it's such a, the Trinity is such an abstract um, and kind of difficult thing to understand all the different concepts of all the different camps. Uh, it's hard to understand, let alone weigh them against each other all at once. Um, and so I'm not going to use the Bible as evidence, um, hearsay as requested, but I'm going to reference the Bible more so just to establish the context of the subject itself. Uh, and I think that first of all, it's important to say that the Trinity the word Trinity is not found in the Bible explicitly. Um, however, there are numerous references where actually Jesus himself references the Trinity. Um, and I'm just going to read a few. Um, of course, one of, the, one of the major ones is from the Great Commission uh, itself. It's right before Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, he was talking with his disciples. and That's found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Uh, it says, And Jesus come up. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Uh, and know that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so there it is right there spelled out, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And another would be uh, John five seventeen through 18. Uh, and this, again, this is Jesus speaking. He said, but he answered them, my Father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own Father, making him equal to God himself. And so it's kind of, he doesn't necessarily bring up the third aspect of the Trinity, but he attributes that him, he himself is equal with, with God, if that, if that kind of makes sense. And so those are just two verses that kind of give you a little bit of, of background of context of the kind of language that um, has kind of set us up to draw this conclusion of the Trinity. Um, and it seems simple, but there's definitely more than one way to interpret this text. Um, one way, which is the Orthodox, as in the traditional Christian uh, way of unpacking this, was that there is one God, uh, but he has three different parts. Uh, each part is its own part. Um, it has its own attributes that they don't, they don't contradict each other. Uh, especially in character, but all three of them are God together and apart. Uh, we have the Father, as in the God who sits on the throne of heaven, God the Son, who's Jesus himself, and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, who is God's presence that is around us and interacts with us. The term for this belief uh, and there won't be a test on this, but I'm just going to say it anyways. And I didn't know it off the top of my head uh, is monotheistic Trinitarianism. Monotheistic, blah, 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 blah. monotheistic Trinitarianism. Uh, 
uh, yeah, don't worry about remembering that because I didn't remember it off the top of my head, and I have my degree in uh, biblical studies. <laughs> uh, and for the record, I'm really not this articulate of a person. I'm actually uh, reading just these notes and trying my best not to make it sound awful and boring. Um, and so I remember even still when I was a kid, uh, the way that the Orthodox view of the triune God was explained to me. I remember I was, I was sitting in Sunday school. I was a little kid and I had asked about it or the, the message was on it or something like that. I remember the, uh, my teacher took out this piece of paper and a pen or a crayon or something like that and drew a triangle. And then at each point of the triangle, so at each of the each of the points, they wrote Father and then Son and then the Holy Spirit. And then in the middle of the triangle, they wrote God. And I remember they looked at me and they said, Make sense, James? And my stupid little brain, I was probably five or six years old, said, Oh yeah, I've got this. Uh, me as a young child have completely wrapped my head around the abstract and concrete construct of the almighty as in the great I am. I have him figured out because he is a triangle. Now today I'm holding my bachelor's degree in biblical studies, as I said. um, And I feel like all of that amounts to absolutely nothing. Um, feel like I still really do not understand God as in like have God figured out as in the mechanics of God. Um, Nothing feels solidified or simple. The more that I know uh, or rather the more that I learn, the less I'm convinced that I really know anything, but also um, the more calm and gentle and understanding I think I find myself becoming. Um, but anyways, that's a very traditional way of thinking about the Trinity. Um, but that is the Orthodox way I would say is the little, little triangle. Um, that's the way I grew up thinking about it. And I think it's kind of ambiguous and kind of clear at the same time. I guess it kind of gives our mind something to kind of gravitate towards to be like, oh yeah, God is the triangle that helps me understand the universe. Uh, now, there are people that don't believe in monotheistic Trinitarianism. Uh, they would say something along the lines that Jesus wasn't actually trying to teach anything close to that at all. Um, something that's very interesting about the concept of God stepping down, as in God entering into his own creation, um, is that he would be willing to subject himself to existing inside of that. And I think, let, uh, let me explain that. God exists outside of the construct of time. In fact, he designed the concept of time as in something or some things that uh, were and are not or were not and now are. God is a constant. God is unchanging. Um, and I think the idea that he subjected himself to entering inside of that construct and subjected himself to that, to the point of the cross for us. Um, Now, Jesus himself preaches that he was God incarnate, uh, but we also observe that he was fully subjected to being a person and limited in that way. 
And I think someone that doesn't believe in monotheistic Trinitarianism, there it is again, uh, maybe they would say that Jesus was just drawing the hard comparison between the Father, as in the Father in heaven, and himself to emphasize that he cut himself off from the part of himself that exists outside of time. And that's why he was having like to pray like a person should have to pray to feel connected to God. Um, I don't know that I believe that necessarily, but I think it's a very interesting thought. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting thought. <laughs> uh, so I think when I, like when I think about the initial request to defend the Orthodox view of the Trinity, um, I honestly don't know how I would... I think it would be really easy for me to take what I believe and backwards engineer it to where I can find references in scripture or hemispheres of reason or thought uh, that would confirm my opinion. And I hold all my opinions very loosely, uh, but I feel like I would rather teach people how to think about something uh, as objectively as possible or as rationally as possible and then talk about my thoughts on it. Uh, rather than try to convince anyone else of something, because I think that faith and belief is a journey. And now, granted, I do think that we can kind of catapult our faith and our theology and our belief in God by turning to something like the Bible to build our own faith upon the faith of people that have documented their faith and their interactions with God. But for the sake of this argument, I've been asked not to do that, which is fine. Um, and so I think I'm going to take more of a psychological approach, actually. Um, and if, so, so, so something that's interesting is that the way people tend to think about everything is that they want to turn something that is a maybe to a definite yes or no. We want to take something that we are uncertain about and figure it out so that it is certainly yes or certainly not. Um, I think neurologically, that's just how our brains work. Otherwise, if we do something, uh, like if we went to, to uh, uh, drink a glass of water, we'd have to think cognitively about every single muscle uh, it would take to reach our arm out and grab the cup and then move it to our lips and then figure out all the muscles we would need to swallow it. Um, it it's it's, it's kind of like the concept uh, most people have heard. Once you learn to ride a bike, you never forget. Uh, but I say drinking because, you know, not everyone rides a bike, I guess. And so uh, <laughs> our brains uh, work the same way when it comes to um, our understanding of the world that we're interfacing with, whether that be uh, concrete things like a glass of water or a bicycle or even abstract things like our understanding of uh, abstract systems like morality or ethics and our belief and understanding of God. So in other words, our brains do the same thing to the abstract as they do in the concrete as far as like coordination. Um, like if you've had a bad experience with someone later on down the line, if they ask you for something or they ask you for a favor I already have some kind of inclination to tell them to hit the road because they're a piece of work. 
You know what I mean? It's it's our brain's way of simplifying the world that's around us to save us time and to make us more effective. And we really do the same thing with our concept of God. And people have always done this to God. How can people ever, ever come close to figuring something out that by the topic's very nature is a is is beyond our ability to actually comprehend it? As in we take something like God, the great I am, and break him down into a set of rules and something that we can like figure out and put under our thumb. Ha, I have God figured out. I have the mechanics of uh, how the Almighty interacts with us figured out. When you really think about it in that regard, it is kind of prideful, which is why I try to hold all my opinions so, 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 so loosely. Now, my theory um, is that I think it would be incredibly easy from someone to make the jump, and that jump being made over thousands of years, uh, of thinking that the teaching about God, that someone was saying God is like a triangle, instead of saying that God is a triangle. Again, I hold this very loosely. Some people call me uh, a heretic. Don't chase me out with... Uh, you know, pitchfork isn't tor- pitchforks and torches yet. Um, but maybe the idea of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, began as a mechanism of trying to understand God, or more specifically, understand the ways that God has interacted uh, with people throughout history and continues to interact with us today. Um, Again, I'm not using the Bible as proof, but rather encouraging us to think about the implications of something that happens in the Bible. Now, Jesus, uh, God incarnate, steps down in human flesh, and he is teaching about when God will come to save his people from the oppression of the world, rather the oppression uh, of their sin uh, in the last battle. And he says it in Matthew 24, verse 36. He says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, nor the Son, as in nor me, only the Father. Now, I think that something we can observe from this is that Jesus doesn't know something. In other words, While Jesus was on earth, he was 100% confined within the limitations of flesh and blood and was cut off from the knowledge he would have access to otherwise. So in order for God to come down, he almost had to become a different type of thing altogether. But not really, because Jesus was God in the flesh. And in the Bible, we see references to the Holy Spirit or, you know, the Holy Ghost moving and influencing the hearts of people. And I feel that every time we see God make something happen, it's in a type of way that is, um, although powerful, extremely subdued. Uh, Like when I think of the power of God, like uh, uh, in other words, every time God's presence moves, the sky doesn't split open with beams of light and pillars of holy fire that scrub the world clean of all the evil that is unworthy of being in his presence. So, God's presence 
entering into the construct of time, though not through flesh, not through the sun. It's almost like it's like a totally different type of thing, right? But again, not really, because God was moving in the world as we see in scriptures and is continuing to do so. And so uh, what I'm saying is that God has manifested himself to mankind throughout history in many, many different ways and going to extreme lengths entirely to his credit. And a lot of times when people think about that extreme lengths, they talk about and they think about uh, the cross, which is significant. But just even our our view and our opinion of the cross in our minds, it's almost kind of like uh, romanticized. But people don't think about the extreme lengths of God confining his presence to a box, as in uh, the Ark of the Covenant. God was so desperate to be among his people that he confined his presence in the world to a box. It's not very glamorous, uh, which is probably why, you know, it's the Holy Trinity instead of the Holy Quad being the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and box. Uh, But the whole thing seems like a desperate bid to be with us, and that is what it is. And so... I'm going to say, ultimately, I have no idea. I'm not saying that God is or God isn't like a triangle. uh, But I'm saying I think it has helped a lot of people feel closer to God in a way by thinking that he is. And to be honest, I do find myself praying to all three. Um, It's made its way into my language from when I was a tiny, tiny kid. But I do feel like I pray to God like a father. Uh, I pray to Jesus like a friend, and I pray to the Holy Spirit like an emissary. And Whether that's right or wrong, I don't think it makes much difference, because I know that God exists currently in his actual state, outside of my mind. And I do believe Jesus made a way for us uh, to be seen as innocent before God, and to get to know him in a way. Uh, And I believe that is beyond my ability to understand him fully. I don't know where the line is or how much I do have to understand about God and about salvation in order to receive that salvation. Um, But the older I get, I think I'm starting to realize, or at least think, that it has more to do with understanding ourselves and how badly we need God rather than me ever being able to completely figure out God past the triangle, if that makes sense. And I think probably the mechanics of salvation is a different podcast. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a universalist either. I know it might sound like that, but I promise. Anyways, I hope this has got your gears turning. Uh, Maybe it keeps you up tonight. I kind of hope it does. Uh, But if you have a topic or a question you'd like me to try my best at tackling or unpacking, I would love the opportunity to. You can email me at concerninglifeandchurch at gmail.com. It can be as long or as short as you want. It doesn't really have to be about church either. It can just be about, you know, how you're doing. Maybe if you're struggling with something or your cat is sick. Maybe you're laying awake at night hoping you don't yell. Uh, hey, Kool-Aid, when you sleep because you know God can't stop him from bursting through your wall. And he'll give you a ride to school where you'll be embarrassed if your friends see you because he drives a really, really old car.